I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As we stand, let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us through your word. In Christ's name, amen. This marks two months of us being here with you at St. Bart's, and it's been such fun. It really has. And uh, so thrilled to see so many of you here uh, that I know and those that I don't know yet, and uh, look forward uh, to getting to know you uh, shortly. Uh, our passage this morning, children, uh, young ones, whoever wants to self-identify as someone to draw, is about vines and vine dressers. So we thought we'd have an impromptu um, drawing competition. And so I wonder, children, if you could draw your best vine on the way out, put it in the bowl, and we'll uh, have Chris uh, vote on who's the best uh, drawer. Is that right, Chris? Or an impartial jury will, of, of our peers will uh, assess it. Uh, so you go ahead and do that, and the rest of us, let's just look at a few notes of this passage. It's uh, super familiar, isn't it? Uh, I think we've all heard a passage or even read, uh, uh, heard a sermon or uh, read a book on how to pray better, and it always ends up in John 15. And um, it's good to remind ourselves of uh, two verses, especially when we come to something that talks about vines, is uh, really what the Lord says through the prophet Isaiah, which is that a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. All right, so as we approach this, just keep that one side. The other side, the, the big takeaway is the truth that this passage primarily isn't about you. It's not about you. It's about two people who are actively involved in doing all the work, and that is not the branch. It's the vine and the vine dresser. We'll come to that in a moment. Uh, I, I love to strive. I find striving really rewarding. I, I've learned that if I strive and work really hard that there's a reward for it. The only problem is that it's not a kingdom enterprise, that when we strive in relationship, the fruit that it yields isn't conducive to relationship. Um, and so I love to think that I am the one in control of what's going on. And if you watch the video log uh, on Thursday uh, about today, you'll hear the story, but it's, I'll say it again because it reveals the truth that despite the religious garb, I'm really remedial in the sense that I always ask my doctors, where were you in the class, the front, the middle, or the back? And if they say the back, I said, I think I won't wait for a second opinion. I'll just 
reschedule. I, I think it's healthy. I think it's a good thing. I was the one at the back of the class at preschool, though they didn't call it priest, priest school. Uh, I was also at the back of the class in preschool, but um, that's another story. Um, and so I, I find sometimes I'm catching up. And I love that. I, I wish I could control exactly what's going on in my spiritual life because then I'd be able to gauge what's going on. And so Thursday, well, I love having a to-do list. I love crushing the to-do list. Uh, but Thursday's list kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And by three o'clock, I realized I'm just stumbling around trying to get all things, these things done. And uh, we had this event Thursday night. Well done for those of you who joined us, the, the men's social. It was a spirited evening, um, which you can read in the bulletin. Uh, sorry for those of you who missed it. Uh, we'll have another different type of social later on, I promise. Um, and uh, so I'm there, and I, I wanted to connect with Michael, who was hosting it. And uh, I asked him where he was, and I appeared into the coffee shop. And I really didn't feel like I was doing anything very spiritual. I mean, my, the AC in the car was busted. So, I mean, it just wasn't a pleasant day. And even so, as I came into the coffee shop, the two baristas had this look of absolute shock. Um, we were at Well-Grounded Coffee. And, um, and, as I, and they looked at me, and um, they said, we just literally prayed that God would put you in touch with us again because we lost your number and we wondered if you could help us with the event we're having and the conversation was to do with barbecue. And, and, but the look on their faces betrayed a, a sign of absolute hope and joy and a sense of they knew that God was immediately with them, which was something that eluded me all day. And we had this conversation. We talked about the event. We're going to... It was absolutely... A, God-ordained, but I had no idea. I was just being led, but I didn't know I was being led. And it reminds me that I'm not in charge of being led by the Spirit. I don't know who says that. Nobody says it, certainly not in Dallas with all the PhDs, uh, uh, seminary degrees there, right? We, we think that we're being led by God, but we like to think we're in charge of the leading. And so I want to encourage you that as we come to this passage, if I can be... Uh, you know, I'm paid to do this. And if I can somehow meander through my day without any idea that God was leading me and still be found to have been led by God, anyone can happen. It can happen to anyone. And so we come to this passage, and it's not about us. It's about the vine and the vine dresser. It's about the work of Jesus and the Father and how it is manifested through the Holy Spirit. And a bit of context helps. This happens just before the execution. It's the second half of the upper room discourse. These are the last moments Jesus has to talk to the disciples. And what sets the tone for this is what Jesus says immediately before in chapter 14, verse 31. He says this, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has no claim on me. In Texas, they sound like fighting words, right? This is not sweet, serene Jesus. This is Jesus who's about to do something, right? He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. What does he say? He says, rise, let us go from here. And a true reading from the Greek, according to the scholars, is it 
it has a sense of saying, Jesus saying this, come, let us go meet the advancing enemy. So, yes, Jesus is being led, but he's also choosing to go right into the arms of the enemy. The prince of the world is coming. They now go to engage him. So this bit about the vine, which gardeners love, and with every right, because it's such evocative imagery, is also about the mission of Jesus. So in verse 15, of chapter 15, verse 1, look down with me. It begins, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Well, whenever Jesus says, I am the true, or I am the good, <laughs> he's immediately showing that, well, there was one before me who was not so good, or in this case, there was a false vine. I'm the true vine. So what's he saying here is that there was one before him who was not true, who was false, didn't live up, didn't do what they were told. And my father is the vine dresser. So the indictment here is on those who pursued a religion that embraced form over the presence of God. Israel in Isaiah is referred to as a vineyard. In Psalm 80, we have all this language of a vine out of Egypt being brought. And we, in the Old Testament is rich with all this imagery of, of Israel, the firstborn of God, being a vine. But sadly, the vine doesn't live into the promises. The vine doesn't live into the mission. And instead of bringing the light of God to the cultures around it, the vineyard, the vine, becomes fascinated with the cultures around it. And it begins to engage with the culture and begins to lose sight of what they're called to do. So Israel has failed and becomes a false vine, so hence the need of Jesus. Jesus comes, he says, I am the true vine. The vine as a plant is completely utilitarian. My ability to grow things is awful. I kill them well, the plants that is, but growing them not so much. Some types of vine, did you know this? I know Judy knows this, grow incredibly quickly, up to 13 feet in a season. Isn't that fast? I mean, that's fast, isn't it? And a vine exists to bear fruit. And the, vines, the vine lives to give its life. Its flowers are small. It's fruit abundant, and when the fruit is mature and the vine has become for a moment glorious, the treasure is taken, the grapes are taken down, and the vine is cut back to the stem. So it's not about you. It's what Jesus, what he's doing as the vine and the Father as the vine dresser. In verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 2, he says, Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Well, what kind of fruit are we talking about? What is the fruit that Jesus is referencing? Well, the fruit here is eternal, lasting influence. It's the good results coming from the life of a follower of Jesus, probably in terms of bringing benefit to the lives of others and advancing the work of Jesus in the world. It's the people who take these two things seriously. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength and your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. So simple, isn't it? Yet so complicated to be worked out. 
That's the way to eternal, lasting influence. By sharing the gospel, serving in God's kingdom, in the church and in the world, wherever you find yourself, between the hours of nine to five, and of course, by engaging in the acts of social justice. And then we come to this difficult term, pruning. Well, who's the one who prunes? It's the vine dresser. And if you're a vine dresser, you tend to do three things. You prune, we'll come to that in a moment. You train the vine how to grow, and then you cultivate it. And in the world of vineyards and what, pruning is essentially an act of cleansing, which is helpful, isn't it? So it's not so much that Jesus is going to cut us, but he's going to cleanse us. It's a cleansing act to enable the branches to bear fruit. What do we, how do we pair this then with what we know of the Father? Well, we know that he's good. We know that he didn't spare his own son. And out of love, a love that is so foreign to us, he chooses to cleanse us from our sin. And so if you're like me, and I understand if you're not, feel free to, to deviate from this, but w- when I sin, the temptation me is to think that it's because of who I am. The enemy would come and convince. He would try to come and convince me that because I told a white lie, I'm now a liar. You see what he does? He comes and he, he tries to personalize and ascribe our sin to our core identity. And, as, and then the shame comes, the guilt comes, and then, you know, there we are. But as for followers of Jesus, we have a new identity. So that when we sin, Jesus comes along and says, that isn't who you are. Come, follow me. Let me show you that you're more than this. Is that helpful? It puts pruning in a different way, doesn't it? In verse 4, we have this famous line, abide in me and I in you which is kind of funny, really, because if you know vines, a branch can't choose not to abide in a vine, right? They're, they're just connected. And here's a sense that it's, it's what you think. It's the imagery of a vine where the lifeblood of the vine is flowing into it. And so it's about Jesus connecting with us so that by his spirit, his life-giving presence flows into our very lives, and empowers us as we go throughout our day. This is how the Father trains us as a church so that the church grows in a certain way. It's started by Him. He initiates. We respond. He acts. We receive. This is how He trains us to prepare us for the challenges we face. During COVID, we did something a little different. I did. Uh, It was my decision. I had a a truck I loved and uh, got rid of the truck and started to take the dart. And uh, we lived near the White Rock Dart Station for a year. I took the dart to downtown, walking there, walking back. It was was great. And uh, on this one morning, not too long ago, just before starting here at St. Bart's, I was walking by the Chase Tower, 
And I really felt prompted by, uh, by, by the Lord to pop into Starbucks and get a coffee. Now, when I mean prompted, it felt as if a butterfly had landed on my shoulder. Ever so faint, easy to dismiss, easy to ignore, but this crazy thought came in because at that time I'd already had five cups of espresso. I did not need a cup of coffee. And so maybe I had the jitters, right? So I thought, well, in case this is God, I'll go in to Starbucks. And I went and I ordered a coffee. And as I stood there waiting, I saw this giant of a man there, someone I would never talk to out of sheer intimidation. And again, I felt this prompting, go and talk to him. I really didn't know what to say, but it was this, as I said, this prompt that was ever so faint, like a butterfly on my shoulder, easy to miss, easy to dismiss. And so I walked up to him. And as I approached him, I said, hello, my name's Dave. He said, hello, Dave, my name's Marcus. What can I do for you? And I said, I really want to encourage you. And the moment I said encourage you, this scripture came into my mind that I just shared with him. And I said, and, and, you know, and I said, you know, I just want to encourage you that the Lord sees you. And that he, while you're doing your work, he's looking after what matters to your heart. And what confused everyone in Starbucks, which was beginning to gather a crowd, so it was nine in the morning, is that this Goliath of a man began to cry. I became suddenly embarrassed. And as he's crying, uh, the barista says, our drinks were ready and we're still there. And, and he pulls himself together and he says, how did you know what I'm facing? I said, I, I actually, I don't know, but I know the one who knows everything. Would you like to meet him? And he said, I'm the head of security of this building and the building next to me, and no one has ever spoken to me like this before. And I said, funny you should say that. And, you know, we had, I didn't even drink the coffee, but I had it there with me, and we spoke, and I encouraged him, and I told him of Jesus, of the God who speaks, of who leads, who initiates, who pours his life into us so that we can do what's asked of us. And there began uh, the most incredible, incredible morning. That's how he leads. We love to, I would love to see a burning bush, but I think it would freak me out. And yet it's that, that prompt, that, 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 that just stirring of, of the presence of God that leads us. Let, look down with me at verse 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him... He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Well, actually, without God, you can do quite a bit, right? You can do the everyday chores. That's not what he means. Again, the reference here is doing the things of eternal value. And they're not always the big things. Sometimes it's just speaking to someone with dignity. Sometimes it's just the act of a smile. Sometimes it's, it's sharing a bit of hope. But without him, we can't have that lasting significance. In verse 7, if you look down, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. As followers of Jesus, we find that the, fa the Father is constantly cultivating our relationship with him. Our desires become shaped by his desires. And we discover that the things that are on our hearts matter to him as our prayers are answered, as we live in community, 
as we study the scriptures together, we discover that we matter to him. And what begins to shift is we begin to see that the things that are on his heart increasingly begin to matter to us. And at some point in the life of the follower of Jesus, there is this sudden realization that the Father's expectation on our lives is never perfection. He never expects perfect performance because he knows us too well. And so if that's not the expectation, how then do we live? And what is the, the expectation? The standard of the kingdom is not perfection, but redemption. He initiates and invites us to always be coming to him to be renewed and redeemed. Redemption is far stronger than perfection. Because in that process, a beauty is brought forth that otherwise would never have been there. He initiates, we respond, he acts, and we receive, and this is how the Father cultivates us. Not just as individuals, though yes, as individuals, but as a church, as a community, as a people who are choosing to do life together. And then in verse eight, we see that God is glorified, not just by praise and worship, but he is. He is glorified by our praise and our worship. He's also glorified by his followers bearing much fruit. So let me ask you a few questions as I close. What's the father looking to prune? What's he looking to clean up? Where might he be saying, hey, that's not who you are. Come follow me and I'll show you how much more you are. Where is he looking to train? He's always prompting us sometimes just to encourage. Where is he looking to train? And how is he cultivating you? How is he cultivating this church? As just as I've been preparing this, it struck me that maybe there might be one of us, maybe two of us, who perhaps in this last week you've done something uh, you know you shouldn't have. And you feel that burden of guilt and shame. Maybe you'd very much like to be prompted by him in a new way, to be used by him to bring hope and love, the love of the kingdom to people in new ways. And just maybe there's some here who are exhausted because someone, maybe even in the church, has led you to believe that it's all about you. And it's your responsibility to be led by the Lord. It's up to you to initiate first. And I, I just don't think that's right. I've even checked that out with Chris Myers, so we know that's right. That it's him, it's his responsibility to lead us. So why don't we pray just as we finish? Why don't, why don't you just stay where you are and let me pray and we'll carry on with the service. Lord, thank you for this encouragement this evening that you are the vine, and Father, that you are the vine dresser. We ask that you would prune us where we need pruning, that you'd cleanse us where we need cleansing, that you would train us and cultivate us. And even now, Lord Jesus, by your Spirit, we ask that you would bring that sense of your grace to our hearts. So that we would hear afresh that you don't expect us to be perfect, 
only redeemed. So if that's you, just receive your forgiveness now by faith. Trusting in the love and light of the Lord Jesus. And for those of us, Lord, who love to be prompted by you to do new things in new ways, would you stir us now in our hearts? Come, Holy Spirit. We pray also for those of us who've been led differently, been taught that it is all about us, not primarily about you. For any of us who excel at striving, we ask that you'd come and bring a fresh sense of your presence, that instead of striving, we might receive from you. Come, Holy Spirit. And if you're able, I invite you to kneel as we continue with the prayers of the people. In the faith of Christ, we pray as he commanded us and has given us his example. As we have become your people by grace, make us more worthy of our calling. Lead your church to follow Jesus in all things as the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, in your mercy, spread your healing presence in a world where many cannot bear to hear the truth. Give grace and power to those who seek to do great works in the name of Christ. Lord, we ask that we would be those who are sensitive to the leading of your spirit to build up each other in faith and to encourage the world. Lord, in your mercy, use us as living stones to build a community in your name. Lord, we pray for East Dallas and our place in it and the ministry that you've given us to do here. We pray for the churches of East Dallas that preach your holy gospel. We pray your blessing on Central Lutheran, our host church. Keep us, our families and friends in the true way. Lord, in your mercy, soothe the hearts that are troubled and guide the feet that do not know the way. Lord, we lift up the names of those people in our lives who are in need of healing. Lord, in your mercy, grant to all who suffer the vision of Christ risen and glorified at the right hand of the Father. May the Lord who has gone before to prepare a place for us receive the souls of the faithful and grant them the perfect knowledge of his love. Lord, in your mercy, we pray all these things, Lord, and all the things that are in our hearts that we lift to you. In faith, we pray them in the name of the Son in whom the Father is revealed and glorified. We ask, Lord, that you would answer these prayers in your time, in your way, in your will, to the glory of your holy name. Amen.